And don't be cheap once you have margin. So what do I mean by that? We take those extra margin wins that we have at being a brand and we invest it into the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Take those margin dollars and really make being a part of your brand worth fucking yeah. something. 100%. That's the key. Stop being a commodity. Yeah, don't don't be a fucking commodity. So yeah. many people just go for margin but then act like a commodity product. That's not the point of the whole thing. Just show just everything. Just show everything. Everything. And that's, that's what we did. Keyword. And so people everything. really started getting interested. But they're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, people are <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple. WWE star called Mr. America. My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is The Panda. And I run this shit. Nick, just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? All right, it is Sunday this week. Welcome to the Midday Squares podcast, Uncensored. We talk about entrepreneurship, family business, chocolate, and whatever fucks are on our minds. So usually I start the show off by saying, guys, how you feeling? But we're recording on a Sunday today. So why don't we tell the audience why that is even the case? Can I, can I take yeah. this one? Yeah, go for it. So essentially what happened was... Th Thursday, actually Thursday morning, Jake doesn't know about this. I had a breakdown, full-blown breakdown. Does Jake not why? know anything about this? He doesn't know. Why? Um, well, I'll explain to you, but I don't know if I'll explain to you right now, but I had a full-blown breakdown and Nick oh, no, called it. That's, this is the roundup, so let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what was the breakdown? Yeah. So essentially, I went to go see Nick uh, in the morning about feeling very overwhelmed about, uh, you know, messages and social media and incoming inbound, a lot of inbound. My phone's dinging all the time. Ding, 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 ding. Whether it's family chats or Instagram. But let's back up. She comes in my room. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she just goes like that, you know, like the less like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just getting started for the day. And she just walks in and she just goes downloads on me. So I'm like, I'm looking around. At this point, we have our therapy session, right? Jim, exactly. Yeah, we, we moved our therapy session to the first time. We do it as a group, but we also do it individually uh, and also one-on-ones, you know. So sometimes Les and Jake will get in there for a brother-sister session. Les and I will get in there for a marriage session. Um, and, you know, because a, a lot of stress is built up in this area. So, Big time. Uh -huh. So Les starts going to me, and then I look at her. And I just see a human. You didn't say anything. I didn't yet. say anything. Yeah. yeah, but I was, I was already. I was like, wow, that, you're on a way for a breakdown. This mm -hmm. is, this is a girl that's ready for a breakdown. And so, what yeah, happens so, next? So we had Jim, and essentially, like, we're starting the conversation, and Nick's like, I need to bring something up. So we're in the same house, but we're in different rooms, and he's like, I think Les is on the verge of a breakdown, and. Uh, at first, I denied it. I'm like, no, I, I'm not on the verge. I'm just exhausted. And he's like, okay, he leaves it. And then I start talking more to Jim and talking about some things. And I just start bawling. I just fucking, I'm like, literally, I'm like, maybe I am having a breakdown as we, as we speak. This is what day? This is on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, this is Thursday. Right, so. And what was ironic was that we came into the office and Jake, you were pretty slouched that day too. 
Yeah, you know, I think that the inbound issue is um, it's a time. It takes time, and I'll tell you what, I actually changed it. I, what I do you mean by a, inbound though? Well, inbound messaging, right? And people contacting you, and you know, chats and this, that, and you feel obliged to answer, and you have to, and you feel like if you don't, it's it's an anxiety. I had that a year and a half ago because I was always answering the Instagram DMs, and we have had, we've had fifty to hundred at a time, and you know, I felt if I missed one, it would be my it would be on me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, what I just did was I. I categorize it to be at 10.30 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. I do it every single time, and that's it, that's all. And it actually changed my stress. I have zero stress with messaging, zero. I used to get so much anxiety. Did I ever come out with it? No, but I used to want to break down inside because I felt that I was obliged to answer right away, right away, it had to happen. And um, as long as you compartmentalize it and you actually give it the time to give it, and you actually give it during that time and every day you follow it, you'll see that the stress is taken off you. Obviously, the first five minutes, you're like, oh, shit, I got to do this, and you have to go through it. But then when you take into account what people are messaging you, what they're actually saying to you and how powerful that stuff is, you then be appreciative. You can't take stuff like that for granted because it's not always going to be there. You know, knock on wood that it will. But that's what you need to do. And, you know, you should have came to me if they had that breakdown because I went through that. Melissa and I dealt with that. She was, She wanted to get rid of me at one point because I was on my phone from 6 p.m. till 1 a.m. every single night. I wouldn't acknowledge, I wouldn't talk because my anxiety was so high that I had to answer all these messages. And I didn't just have the midday squares messages coming in. I had personal, because I have a lot of friend group, like text messages like you're talking about, maybe six of them. And they were consistently all the time. And I wouldn't answer them during the day, leave it to the night, and then boom, it would hit me and I'd be exhausted. So that's my advice to you. No, Listen, I, at the end of the day, we got to this office. We made it. I think <laughs> the session with Jim went very good. Exactly, yeah. And, and we have a game plan in place. And that's why it's so important, like we always say, um, I know a lot of our audience listens to us talk about why therapists are important and why it's important on this journey. But that's a perfect example. And so that day, we all looked at each other. No, no, I, I came out and I'm like, I looked at you guys. And we did look at each other. And I'm like, guys, let's leave as soon as we can, as soon as you guys are done, all your appointments, all your meetings, I'm good at 3.30 and let's go up north and let's check the fuck out. Go into the nature. Go into the nature. The fu- Just the smell of the fireplace, the smell of the crisp air, seeing the lake, seeing the trees. It is so therapeutic to the body and the mind. Okay, Jake and I took, I don't know how many steams. Yeah. Okay, we worked out. We watched movies. We ate together, we laughed, okay? And Friday we worked and we were very productive, but the noise was blocked out. Oh yeah, it, it, it literally healed my fucking soul. It healed my soul. My soul felt cleansed. Same, same. Thursday night I started feeling it and then Friday was just unreal. And so maybe, maybe it brings up a great point of, of not always working from the office and taking a day of the week to go somewhere else for a different scenery. And I, I think that became very obvious. Yeah, and I, think, I think it's, I felt incredible. I don't know about you two, but I, did I was feel like, incredible. I was on my glory days. It was well, funny. We were on the way up north and I wanted to bring up a point because I think this is a small thing that entrepreneurs forget is celebrate the small wins. Oh yeah. And so that. what happened is I looked at Les on the way back home before Jake, you were going to come pick us up. And I was like a year or even three months ago, this wouldn't be possible. This is only possible because the team is growing. We now have a production manager. Shout out JF. We have Mm -hmm. trust in all the people that have joined this epic team to execute. Can I hop in? So 
Thursday is a perfect example. We Les, had this the, is your podcast too. You don't have to always ask to hop in. You're right, you could you're just right. hop very in. True. Very <laughs> true. Very true. I don't like to interrupt people. Just though. go right in. So Thursday was a crisis. We had the packaging crisis, and old us would have been in the in the uh, building till one a.m. Horrible. Doing you know what we need to, and we still do that, right? We still do that. Oh, of course. But 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 we trusted in our team on Thursday to pull through. And what did they do? They pulled through. They pulled because we through. needed a minute. And we can only be as we can only show up if we're also recharged. Yeah. We work almost seven days a you week. Know, I, I think that's I used to never believe in recharge um till this year. That's and a fact. no it's a fact. I never I let I kept my body going, 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 going until something negative would happen and then you know it would take me a couple of days to you come would back. wait for forced recharges i would wait i'd wait for it and then when i started to actually take the weekends and actually like you know clear my mind and actually like you know enjoy the moment that we're in the present day and like you know i never did that it feels so good because when you come back on sunday to work or, or monday better yet you actually have energy, like real energy, like not artificial, not synthetic, not caffeine boost energy. You have your person, your energy inside your, your body. Soul. To give it. Your soul's and, ready and to your go. Your real soul. And guys, that, yeah. what's really key, and what this is also from my session from Jim, and also from the weekend and taking the time, which is, you said wins, small wins, small right? Small wins, baby. So one small win, like you said, is that we can actually leave the office if we need to and take some time because we trust in our team. The second, guys, huge win that I'm going to start like taking on my own is arranging your schedule, right? So it's like, okay, you know what? I do need a day. I'm going to go work from up north, and I can do that. Or wherever. Or, or wherever. Or I need a, a four-day weekend, and I'm going to take it. We don't take salaries. No, nope. I think we don't have that win. Not yet, at least. But the win <laughs> we do have is to control our schedule. Yeah, we're starting to, I think um, time is the most valuable resource. And we're starting to get to a point where we're starting to regain some time. And on that note, I was really excited about starting today's podcast with this question. Um, I saw it on. So if you guys don't know. I'm a big Twitter person. I'm always on Twitter. Um, you are a diehard Twitter. diehard Twitter person. Shout out Twitter. Jake is twi- becoming Twitter too. Different what, different reasons. Yeah, but Not okay. Say them. So, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> so I thought this was I thought this was a fantastic question by someone I respected a lot, and he said, "If you can only have two of the following, what would they be?" And so I'm going to read out a list and then we're all going to go around and talk about what R2 is. So when starting a CPG company and or a direct-to-consumer business, if we all agree, he said, that it's a given that your product must be fucking fire, what are the next two things you would take with you to start the company? One, a genius ad buying team. Two, owning your own manufacturing and supply chain. Three, a top VC firm to be in your corner. Four, the best SEO team in the world, and five celebrity relationships. Who wants to start? You us? start. No, no. I always, I always get put back I in the starter seat. I would definitely take you buy a digital ad team. Okay, the best one, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I think in today's world, advertising is nothing to do with really TV, magazine, as much as it used to be in the television era, um, where you could just mass produce ads and touch the world and, you know, it gets to everybody. People choose to what they listen to now and they have the right to do it. So they'll they'll listen to whatever they want to listen. So when you have a good team that could tell the right narrative and get the narrative that will be attractive to those consumers, it's unstoppable. Number, can I also yeah. add in one thing, though, that yeah. I think is important is that we really do live in a new world. And so like before a computer 
competitive advantage for a big company was that not everybody money. could, there was yeah. minimum ad spend. So if you showed up to ABC, NBC, they're like, great, you want a commercial on our network? Half a million starting budget. Who the fuck has half a million dollars as a starting budget? So it's been democratized now. You don't mm -hmm. need to, like, it's all about storytelling yeah. now. Yeah. It's not about mm -hmm. who has the bigger dollars to go and buy an ad, uh, sorry, buy a TV network's space. Yeah, and so I, I would definitely. Okay, so that's we number got that one. as number one, Jake. Number, number two, two? Um, manufacturing and supply chain, and I'll tell <gasps> you why. I don't do much really? with it, but what I do notice about it is that um, when you can control your manufacturing, oh, you yeah. control it. So you could deal than, with an issue that comes right than at hand. Pornography for me. Well, no, seriously, because <laughs> guys, at the end of the day, think about it. We had an issue. We dealt with it. Our team stayed till this time, it stayed. We got our product out, our product, we didn't short ship. We didn't have to go call our co-packers, can we show up, can we do this? What time's the schedule, what time's this? Fuck, we didn't rely on anyone but ourselves. Obviously with supply chain, you have other suppliers that you have to rely on, and I think we're getting better at the contractual stuff, but controlling your own thing in your own office, in your own place, your team, your group, is the number one thing in a company, I think. Okay, gun to your head now, just before we go to Les, yeah. you have to choose one or two. So which one gets one, which one gets two? Okay, fine. <laughs> one is digital ad. Woo! I've always been about sales, guys. You yeah, guys yeah. know that more than, you know, between you and I, more than focusing on product Jake right now. Jake has spoken. Les, Nick, you're can up. Can you explain to the audience the difference, what SEO is and digital um, is quickly? Yeah. Um, Ad buying teams generally refer to people that are actually buying advertisements on things like Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Google YouTube. Ad Network, YouTube. I mean, anywhere where you're actually buying some type of digital ad, it's real time, so you can do it with really small budgets. And basically, yeah, with a hundred bucks, basically you can get started. And so that's what ad buying means. SEO, uh, if you haven't heard the term yet, is uh, search engine optimization. That's what allows you to naturally show up on the first page of Google for any type of search term. And there mm. is a serious industry behind SEO. There are people that really know what the fuck they're doing. And so all is not created equal, although that's a debate I'm willing to have with anybody at a later date. Um, but but Jake, I know you're getting excited. You want to hime in, but we're going to get Leslie to, yeah. get to give her top two. So definitely um, I'm with Jake, uh, digital team, and um, owning your own manufacturing uh, supply chain. Uh, and mm. we could get into why, but, I, but uh, Jake kind of- What's your one and two? My one is definitely, um, I, I think it's very hard to break it down by one or two because I'm thinking about it in our business. If I'm thinking about it in midday squares, I'm saying manufacturing supply chain, then digital. But if I'm thinking it in other businesses and other ideas, it might not be that. Mm, fair. So here's the interesting thing. Okay, so I'll give you my top two. And it was, it was own manufacturing supply chain one and genius ad buying two. What was interesting though, is that the person, I was the first person to jump on the Twitter and say manufacturing, and then it stumbled this whole thing of, he was like, wow, I agree with that. And then there was other people and all the people, and I, but I said, I'm biased to this. Yeah, right. Well, but you are. We are biased. Because no, you are yeah. a manufacturer. But here, here's the thing though, all these other super prominent people in the D2C space, direct to consumer space start chiming in and they're like, that's our secret power too. So it seemed that everybody that had experienced manufacturing on their own was was choosing that as number one. Yeah, because you, have to you don't get it until you start doing no, it. No, but like I'll give you an example. Like 
Could I segue yeah. into the show though? Yes, because you can. that yes, is you the can. segue to the show. And so I thought it would be really fun today. Okay, you guys know we veer off also. <laughs> and we did this just now. Yeah, we veer off. But we're going to talk a little bit about when creating a product, should you own your manufacturing and supply chain or use a co-packer? That's what I think the show should be loosely about today. Because yeah. I think we've all formed different opinions on this or the same opinions, but we all have formed strong opinions. So you were about to say something on why uh, manufacturing is so important. Let's get into that. Yeah, so I, for me, I'm really a strong believer that it depends on what your product is and what you're doing. Because I have a girlfriend who has an oil company, uh, a beauty, um, skin, beauty, you know. Claiming uh, gas. No, no, Alper, Alper Oils. And she was talking to me and she's like, what are your thoughts? Do you think we should have our own manufacturing set up down the line or should we co-pack? And I was like, what is, what's like, tell me a little bit about the co-packers you've spoken with. And she's like, well, the minimums are 500 bottles a month and we could choose our own supply chain. So I was like, that's a no brainer. Like why go and invest in your own thing, getting space, hiring people, having to deal with suppliers when you can go to the co-packer and they're pretty much allowing you to control anything. I disagree with this. Okay. So see, so I think I'm like for my, for my industry, for food, I think going and building your own manufacturing plant and, and manufacturing yourself is key. But I think for I other friend, departments. I have a friend right now uh, trying to start a coffee capsule company. Mm-hmm. And I'm really pushing to do the manufacturing on their own. And I, I, I'll get into it. Uh, Jake, you look I, you I, don't, I don't think you need to manufacture. I think Same. there's, I think co-packing has a lot of benefits. Um, if you can do it. Um, I think that being able to get your feet off the ground quickly is very fast and you could scale very quickly with a co-packer. So if your product takes a, a quick viral, you know, celebrity or whatever it is, picks it up and you get into a, a whole order with uh, national Whole Foods, how can you tick up your manufacturing right away? I think this is a, a huge important point. But huge important point. That's You're absolutely scary. right. And this is something we speak about with our investors all the time. We too. slowed our control, and also, which is different. Also, guys, if you look at some other companies that we know that have done co-packing with products that they're able to co-pack. Do we want to discuss, uh, just explain Big, quickly me, what a co-packer is? Yeah, it's um, it's a place contract. where you can go and contract your, your product and they'll manufacture it for you. They have all the machines, they have the contacts, and they have the infrastructure. Now, but you schedule it. I agree, you schedule it. But You're one let of me many. just bring my point yeah. home, which is if you do decide to co-pack, you have the ability, if you're a small founding team or if you're yourself, to go out, do your sales, mm-hmm. not worry about these things, and go push your product and build your brand. When you're manufacturing, you don't have that luxury at the beginning. There, you know, I, I've heard horror stories too on the other. Like, I, I agree with your your concept of scaling. And I think that with Midday Squares, what was beautiful about ours is we controlled our growth. We didn't go rush to put a 1,500 uh, stores in Loblaws right off the bat. You know, we, could, we couldn't do it. Or Kroger's, Wegmans. We didn't Not go after that. any of them. Not just that. A co-packer couldn't make the product. That's a whole other but, story. But, but for, We're going to get into that Forget shortly. about the make, not make the product. I'm talking about the scaling of if you have a product it's made to get it out there. We wouldn't have been able to do that right off the bat. It's impossible. No, because we our product is fresh. Exactly. But even other fresh products that are co-packed, they, they could scale like this. They could schedule. They could do whatever capacity that they're given. They could do it. So if you have that, you're in a good seat. If you can sit there, get that order right off the bat, and you could scale it. That, that feeling of being able to scale with a snap of a finger is it's probably a, a dream come true, it's right? A but but huge heard, but there's but a huge. I have but. a close friend of mine. I'm not gonna say her name. She had a co-packer, and it was a fucking disaster. They didn't meet her orders. They, the product was changing. 
The taste of the product was a completely different taste. When it went to the store, she had to pull the product off the shelves. The co-packer didn't say a word. So things like that scare me because, again, we talk about control. We have control of our facility. Yeah, there's we know pros what goes and cons on. to both sides. Always. But that's the, that is the point of today's show. So we're going to talk about the pros yeah. and cons. Because <laughs> okay. so, we're biased a little bit too. Yeah, though. we are biased. But but I've, I've I've thought about this a lot, and I, I'm bringing deep shower thoughts to this <laughs> conversation. And so I have spoken to I think we've all spoken with a bunch of entrepreneurs on both sides of the fence. And one of the main things is that there's two things that really stress me out about a co-packer. Um, and and there's something that I believe a lot of people don't take into forecast is the serendipity of creativity that comes when you're figuring mm. it out. And that experience of pushing your brain to the limit to think about rather what's best for your co-packer and their manufacturing process, it forces you when you're controlling the process on your own to think about what is best for your customer, consumer, and only your consumer. But it depends. Is your product, like you like to call it a Me Too product, or is it not? If I don't think anybody if, should if, be bringing Me no, Too, but, products, but, but me too do, products to the right? market. People bring Me Too products to the market, it's but enough then for they them brand. Already. But that's a, do we agree that's another debate? Unless you're probably labeling. I think I for, just for feel that at the end of the day, like when I was talking to my friend who does oil, she's like, our formula is not game changing, but it's our branding. It's the experience. It's what we stand for, beauty from the in- inside out. You know, so I agree with her. Like her formula is not life changing, but women love it. And it's the brand behind it that, that, that keep people involved. Can I bring up another point about manufacturing that I think, you know, you guys are both going to kind of agree is if you don't have that capital to start your own manufacturing, it's scary. That's a scary road to go down, you know, like to not to, to have to put that money up front to not spend it on sales and marketing, but to veer it towards building out something that a foundation that can grow into what you believe is going to work. Obviously, that comes down to believing your product and pushing it the fuck out of it and getting there. But that's a serious expense. Co-packers have minimums. But it's not the same expense as buying machines, buying... No, but you only reach the point of buying machines and building out a plant like we did once you know you have product market fit. So here, we, we produce in the condo. But we still had rent. We still yeah. had rent after two months. Yeah. I do agree. Expensive. It's more expensive. But I think what, uh, what I would like to do for the audience is demystify a little bit of choosing to manufacture. So because we're so biased and we've done it, yeah. <laughs> I think we can add a little bit of value to the audience. And, and, and I know that I, the reason why I brought this up was that I realized that my friend who's starting to get into this coffee business thought that he had to go out and no matter what, like, how are you making Nespresso pods or these types of pods in your own home? Right. And the truth is, is that if you, I think this is a piece that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, forget is that there's a lot of, if you just go into Google a lot and of type in like micro batching or micro producing or small scale production, you start finding a lot of cool tools. And so when I showed him, okay, when I showed him this manual process for capping Nespresso machines and doing your own Nespresso, this light bulb, I saw it, it went off. I was like, wow. I can start to fuck with my own stuff. Yeah. And it's really cool that experience. It's the same thing with well, canning. No, look, and you bottling. are you are speaking truth in the fact that creativity 
creativity is everything. So number one, you have to have it. Number two, I agree. When the minute you deep dive on things, you're going to find other things that inspire you to do something. And then you can get crafty. Like some of the things we've made with um, metal, um, not, what am I, what are we, uh, yeah, welders. Yeah, welders. Welders. And that's another thing that I think is, is cool. Jake, I, I think I remember you even telling me I never even thought of that. Like a lot of people don't realize every city almost has – people that you can google that are metal workers woodworkers that can tradesmen yeah tradesmen that can help you build really cool contraptions and by the way i know this is a side piece but i i like where this convo is going um you should the when you're getting into any business and you're thinking about can i manufacture something do i need equipment do i need machines go to a fucking trade show Go to and find out the trade shows around the world, machine trade shows like we've done. Get inspired and then say, how do I take this concept and this is my budget and either make it with a trade with someone who's in the trade, like a welder or an engineer, call up an engineer. Can you design this for me? Get a welder to do it. Like you said, it, it is sometimes hard to find small scale machines, but who's to say that you can't build you know, uh, arts and crafts with your own imagination and oh, get yeah. stuff that's functioning. I think that's one of the most powerful tools. Yeah. I think you just, you, it takes a lot of brain power, right? And it does. I think it that's what you have to discuss. So if someone's going to go into manufacturing, their brain power can't give their 100% to their, you know, we're a tripod and, you know, we have different people doing different things. But, yeah. you know, if you weren't focusing on manufacturing at the beginning, you would have been doing the brand development and stuff yeah. like that, which might have moved faster at the time. Not say that we should have done that, but, you know, and then you wouldn't have been taken so much into it for the the machine stuff and all that stuff. And you maybe would have focused on digital ads early on. Yep. So, you know, it's always that trade off, right? You know, it's that, that mixed balance. You don't know where it's going to go. It, but I here's think, a question I want to ask yeah. you. Go. Because I know. What? Would you feel the same way no. that you no, feel no, about no, midday school? No. You no. already know the question, eh? You guys know I talk about, I'm not going to say what I talk about, but manufacturing For you is, is the hottest thing by far. To own a manufacturing plant, to say that you are a manufacturer is like nothing. Before. It's I like the agree. 1900s, guys. This is the age, the I industrial would, age. Come on. I could, I nothing could, better than that. I would agree. There is something Special. that my soul feels inside. <laughs> That we many like when people ask you and they're like, are you happy? <laughs> okay, so I, I believe that happiness is a question that's ambiguous. That's yeah. not that's a debate. But the point I'm trying to make is there's this fulfillment I have oh, at Midday Squares. It's and it's not because we're just a brand on a label. It's because I can go into the fucking factory. I can feel it. You know, we have the community side, which makes you feel good. Yeah. And then you have the when you want to walk to the back and just see the product going from. But, like, but guys, we need to be real with the audience. Fair. And we need to be we need to. To, We're to, a to, bit. to you know talk a little bit about the struggles oh. of having a manufacturing plant and there's days where I wanted to throw in the towel and let me tell you those days were real and those days were hard it's mm. the, and, the hardest part about building the business so far was I would say manufacturing yeah and scaling it is that. and it's 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 being able to find the right people. It's being able to find a team that shows up. It's being able to scale. It's being able to take, you know, from small KitchenAid products and eight by eight pans to, you know, nope. full full scaling, <laughs> right. right? I really, listen, my whole life I've gone after anything that really is fucking everybody's like, oh, that's fucking hard. That's where the greatest fulfillment I lies. I don't I'm care. Say- I don't care. I said it. Sue me. Uh, sue me. Guys. Sue me. I think you should manufacture your products. I agree. I'm not saying don't do it. Yeah, what I'm it. saying is... <laughs> It, it, you need to be realistic that it is fucking hard. Okay, fine. And so you're in the trenches I'm, at the beginning. I'm in my garage. I'm in yeah. my garage. Mm-hmm. I'm manufacturing my shit. How do I how do I scale up? All right. How'd you do it? So 
do we want to take we'll take our example exactly so yeah. essentially you're 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 manufacturing right you're doing things the way you know how to do it um and in our case i was making this in the kitchen way before we decided to commercialize it and bring it to the market so it was very easy for me to make the product and now, s- uh, side note we actually have all the footage of us since we started this company this is something that jake uh, pushed yeah. and what we're gonna do is we're gonna create an actual timeline on middaysquares.com cool. and you're gonna be able to go watch videos from day one That's all the cool. way till now and you can see the progress on your own it's it's gonna just be just to learn epic. the business of yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. I can't wait to do it okay. back to you Les <laughs> yeah. um, so, sorry, yeah, sorry. So, um, back to you Les so yeah so I think the first thing was like okay I need to know how many squares I can make in an hour and then from there work backwards to how big does my tray need to be and then finding a tray, right? Saying, okay, well, we have a specific process. I'm not going to give more details on the process, mm-hmm. but I needed a specific type of tray. So could I kind of sum up what you just said? So yeah. units, everybody's going to be working in units. Units. And you got to figure out how many units you need to make per hour in order to hit a certain price. Exactly. And then you got to do it. You got to make your formulation and you got to figure it out from there. Then I did contact a welder who I still work with today who builds a lot of things for me. Oh yeah, he's the best. And he made our first for the tray. Re- Wait, for the record, I think this is the coolest thing. Shout out uh scott he actually made the entire set for x-men when they filmed in yeah, montreal that's pretty cool yeah he did he's all, really talented. He, he, yeah he started off in the uh uh aero industry right yes yes aero welder like super like high performance shit and and he did the x-men stuff and i thought that was super yeah, cool he's incredibly talented <laughs> and he's really hooked up mid squares because he doesn't really take on jobs he didn't our job at the beginning was really small for him yeah but we met we vibe entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and he's like i got you and he really always found it interesting what we were doing anyways he made the first official train i remember guys when that tray when i was trying to source it and you're like les we need to scale up we need to scale up i'm like guys i'm fucking working on it okay it's not that hard to find a welder who can make this thing for me and it has to be um, no it's very hard has to be food grade stainless steel and it's very hard yeah Sorry, it's very yeah. hard yeah. and anyways <laughs> when we got that first tray it was like okay let's figure out now what kind of rolling pin we need and what what all these things right and so you just you, you do step by step right but the minute you get to the point where you're like okay i actually need to manufacture this to, in order for it to make to make sense i need to Put automation. Jake, what I need were, to add automation. Uh, what I, were you? What, what were you in taking this whole time that was happening? Because you're so diehard manufacturing. Would you? Uh, yeah, when did I'm it hit not, you that you were a manufacturer? I know that you weren't I involved in the process. I was involved in any of the process. So for me, it, it, I knew it all along. I I always focused on community of the company. So I I let that to you guys and. You know, I just look back at it now more than before, kind of because we have a, a, you know, a a pretty nice facility right now and pretty well equipped one. Now it kind of hits me where we're a manufacturer and, you know, we always said it, blah, blah, blah. But when you really go back there today and you see the team, the crew working on the machines and stuff like that and, you know, all the stuff that they're doing, that's like when you see a product go from zero to something is something special and you can't, you can't explain it in words. There's no explanation. It's hard to explain it. But what I wanted to ask you before you asked me that question was, did you focus on margin during the scale up? Um, yeah, well, I want to get there, but I do want to answer the question on how do you go from a garage to a manufacturing plant? Because I think a flow touch. Yeah, this, this I, I not, think you know, I, I find I find you don't worry. Just flow. Yeah, cause just I, flow. no, because I, I want to answer that. And I think that we are what's, answering it. What's what's <laughs> really important to know is is every stage, every every thing has a stage a different stage and in order for it to get to the end which is what we have now and it's still not the end but to where like you said where you really walk in and feel like you have 
a manufacturing plant took a lot of different steps and and it 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 was really cool to see it evolve and i think it's just about continuing to be creative and knowing what step you're in and not thinking too big not thinking about the machines on day one thinking about how do i scale up from the eight by eight pan and then from there how do i scale up from this to doing this many you know whatever and and what do i need to do that and back to jake's point though it requires uh serious timing on your scaling like that is the most important right you are not going to be able to scale here's the facts if you choose to manufacture on your own you will not be able to scale at the speed that you want to scale. Even all the way fucking Tesla, okay, that mm-hmm. is has all the money in the world still can't scale at the speed that they want to scale no. because it requires time and energy to move in the area that you need. And so that you are trading off that, but well, you we're are seeing trading right off now monster that control. Just to implement new things into our manufacturer uh, manufacturing plant or even to add new product lines, we need a minimum of 2 years. And that's yeah. the reality. And that's even still quick. I think that's something important that, yeah, that we learned and we learned it almost the hard way is that. We did learn it the hard way. I was just talking about that with um, somebody this morning while we were in the plant organizing, getting ready for the machines this week. Yeah, like <laughs> there's stuff that we want to do and we realize only now that we have to actually start planning now to have it in there for two years from now. And and get, get back to your point, Jake, with margin is – yeah, I mean, you, you, you. At the beginning, you can't per se always worry about that because it's not realistic. Because supply chain will never be in your favor when you're manufacturing very small amounts. Yes, but you do need to have a fucking answer for anybody. You need right? to have a plan. Yes, no, yeah. but a strong plan. Yeah, a strong plan. Because a lot of a, a lot realistic, of, a yeah. real plan. margin is everything. Margin is, is. everything. And I agree. And and you know what? I'll say before we started midday squares, and for for if you don't know what margin is, it's basically the money that you're making on a unit uh, being sold. So you're if you sell a T-shirt, whatever after that cost everything. was, minus no, not necessarily all after everything is how much dollars are you making based on? Sorry, I was about to. How many dollars are you making based on the people that had to manufacture that plus your raw material mm-hmm. cost and whatever that your what you sold for minus that. That spread is your margin. And honestly, especially in CPG, you want to, you want, there is so much fucking cost that you, you learn over people. time. Mm-hmm. You have to pay so many people in the supply chain, distributors, brokers, this, yada, yada, yada. You got marketing spend, trade spend inside grocery stores. You got to get as close as possible to 60% mm-hmm. in my, uh, in my opinion, if you want to be a strong CPG company. That being said, a lot of people go in and they just start manufacturing. Yeah. You, there's nothing stopping you early on from finding out what your material costs are going to be no, if but you I, order at a higher... Exactly. I think that's the misconception. A lot of people are not don't know what to do when they start. And so they don't calculate their, mar- their, their, their price point properly. And then they get screwed on the margin front. You what know? was Jake, what was the biggest learning that you've had so far in terms of that whole margin component what what really hit you hard you need margin to spend and why what i mean by spend is you know you're reinvesting it back in the company which can allow you to get more sales spending on you know new reps or you know digital ads that's what margin allows you to do if you don't have that margin if your margin is 20 percent instead of 40 percent, you're missing 20 percent more dollars to spend you have to go raise more money potentially and like that's why you know i think that even as a company, I think we all learned it together that how important and valuable it is. And shout out to Dayton um, for being so uh, serious <laughs> on margin. Yeah, us. yeah he, he loves margin. And, he, and, I, and we understand why. And, and I think that over time, 
you know, you still have to have, like you said, that game plan from day one type of thing that you know you can get to a certain margin and then slowly climb towards it. But have some sort of plan because if you're going know in left you're going. field, know if you're, where going you're going left field, you're finished. You, you, I agree. You're going to land up at and a And don't at a bus be stop. cheap once you have margin. So what do I mean by that? The whole point about building a brand is that it gives you pricing power, okay? So when Walmart or Costco do their own private label brands, they do it at really low margin so that, you know, you're just getting the product at, you know, no extra value essentially. So what I mean by don't be cheap is we take those extra margin wins that we have at being a brand and we invest it into the community. Mm -hmm. Take those margin dollars and really make being a part of your brand worth fucking yeah. something. 100%. That's the key. Stop being a commodity. Yeah, don't don't be a fucking commodity. So yeah. many people just go for margin but then act like a commodity product. That's not the point of the whole thing. No. Can we also talk about some of the downfalls of co-packing? I know we didn't. We spoke a little bit about the positives of manufacturing yourself. Exactly. Uh, so I was going to segue to it. Um, so the moral of the story is there is tremendous amount of creativity and control that comes into uh, being your own manufacturer. It's not as complex as one would think it is, but it's very hard work in order to get it going. And to Les's point, your next steps once you want to move on from um, doing it in your garage, ham or like a small a manufacturing area is to hit those shows and really start relying on experts. Your network yeah. will get big from those shows. Now that that's worked out for me, by the way, twice. Twice. Hector and Midday Square. And it, it worked Where out for I'm me in technology too. Shows are the best thing. They build your network and Unreal. you just meet people that are incredible. That being said, that's manufacturing. Now, what are some of the horror stories of co-packing? I mean, I could sit here till tomorrow talking about that. Yeah, I mean, look, they you have no protection against your recipe. <laughs> I can Very literally, little protection. I can literally go on the record. Yeah. I won't name any names. A very popular brand uh, was manufacturing their product through a co-packer that I know. And they had NDA sign. They had all this jazz sign. And, and that co-packer just went, tweaked the recipe a little bit so that they were able to bypass the NDAs that they signed and started selling that product. That, I mean, people don't like to say, I get it. Not every co-packer is going to be that way, but let me fucking tell you, Most if you have a hit record, your co-packer is going to be out there selling it to other people because- They're going to capitalize on of it. Of course. How do you gain business? Oh, they're at a show. By the way, I manufacture X. This company is doing millions of dollars a year. And I we can, can do, do the it same for you. For you. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, That's what you're dealing the, with. Or, or not even that. It's just like, if you have a good brand, you, you, you could you know fight that off a little bit, to be honest. I'm in a strong community. Uh, you see that, you know, people have co tried to copy Lululemon. It doesn't really work. Um, they've built such a strong brand. I would agree with that. You know, so what I think is even, is just as bad, to be honest, is if you have a big order and, and it's short-shipped or, you know, the, the product changes for some sort of reason, maybe humidity, whatever the situation might be that you can't catch until you try your own product. I think that's also a danger. Huge and, danger. And then missing your schedules. Just like, think about how much QA we do here. And oh, how we, my God. When we, have a, when we taste one thing... That might be off, whether it's like we received we shut down the whole satchinchi that was yeah. whatever or yakon that was too sweet it's or nuts. the whole thing's done. But then also <laughs> like what, if, what if you get an what if you get an order from Costco or what are these right. big guys or even the small guys, whatever it is, and next thing you know, you call up your co packer, hey, I need the, the product for April tenth. Oh no, we don't have anything till April twelfth. You have to go back now to your to your buyer and say to them, you know what? Say to him or her, I can't ship you the product. 
Come on, it's that's, so that's, ugly. That's a night. There's that's no a, control. That no would control. that would kill me inside until kill you're me. really giving them a serious amount of business. Yeah. yeah. So as Dayton exactly. would talk about, and I do want to shout out uh, what he says because I believe in it. I never thought about it like this. Is if you are going to go the co-packing route, your single and sole focus is to explode as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Here's the reason why is that until you are exploding and become a point of where you are in control of your co-packer because they depend on you so hard for the yeah, business, business, you basically need to get as fast as possible to 70% of their revenue. The second you cross that chasm where that co-packer is sitting and looking at their revenue sheet and says, holy mm-hmm. crap, all of our revenue is coming from this person. We better treat them like gold. You're not going to get treated like gold. Yeah, so agree with that. that is, so Exceptions. you can't move really slow if you're going to move uh, use a co-packer you have to use a co-packer to their strengths which is you can explode quickly make sure you explode quickly and that's how you're going to protect yourself against uh, what i believe damages. open doors and build brand yeah as fast, fast as you can fast guns as bla- fucking you can. guns blazing i would agree on that note do we have anything more to say on did you uh, want to touch on anything on co-packing yeah i think uh listen to go back the reason why we chose to use a co-packer was simple, and uh, I think you have no, to... No, why we didn't. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, way. yeah, sorry, why we didn't choose to use yeah. a co-packer <laughs> is that we went and actually visited co-packers. It was never in Midday Square's game plan, believe it or not, to become a manufacturer, that being said. So to take everything that we said, you still have to think from your first principles upwards. We, our first instinct was to go to co-packers, and the only reason why we didn't use a co-packers because every co-packer that we saw could not make the bar the way we wanted to. And by the time we would leave those meetings, our bar looked very close to stuff that was on the market versus what we envisioned this brand being. And that's why we took a shot at manufacturing. Um, And so I would suggest you do the same thing too. And if you are in an industry that has co-packers, find someone you trust that you love the same way you know, we believe that you should be willing to sleep in your investor's house. Well, you should be willing to sleep in your co-packer's <laughs> house as well, too. I think what you're trying to say is just keep your, be open-minded at the beginning and, yeah. and explore everything. Explore until, everything. Until things get shut. So here's something else that, uh, again, like you said, you know, the show's been live, so we get questions from people. And I thought this would be cool to do also as well and just answer it in this way. What's a defining moment for you in your life that made you who you are today? And uh, I can start us off with that. Yeah, so I can start us off with that. And this is a little bit of getting people into our world. Mm -hmm. Is that for me, um, losing my father at 10 years old was a pivotal point. My father passed away in front of me while driving a car when I was 10. And that whole experience, both the moment, what happened in the years after, was a pivotal point that really shaped uh, who I am today. And I'm not just talking about it on an emotional level. Just the way you see things move, navigate. And I think that's what the question was, is what are these things that happen in our lives that have allowed us to get to this point where we're moving and navigating? And I I coupled that with another question because it was like, you guys tend to bring up a lot on the show that Midday Squares. So they were like, we've listened to you on other people's um, like lives and stuff like that. And you guys always talk about this concept of Midday Squares was 10 years in the making. What does that actually mean? And I think that ties into a little bit of what were these pivotal things that actually shaped you into being ready for this moment over here? Do you want me to go first? It's up to you. I, it's up to you. No, I, you could go. I, I have I my answer, but okay, you could go. go. Ahead, go ahead. No, you go. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> oh, you, you no, go. I, I know. Why are you guys so nice to each other like this? No, I usually she should go. Usually not, not always. She's Krusty nice. the Clown. Go. Oh, okay. Dandruff. Yeah. Um, I've actually, my dandruff is great. Me too. Yeah. 
Um, I haven't showered. That's another topic. I can't. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll end on yeah. that topic. For me, I think... Repeat your question one more time just so I can make sure that I... What I'm, was a pivotal thing that happened in your life that made you who you were today? Yeah, so I think I it, it it's not yeah. one specific thing that made me who I am today. I think growing up in the environment that I grew up with and always having to fight for things that I believed in or fight to do what I wanted to do and go, constantly going against the grain um, prepared me for this, you know, and allowed me, uh, it built my backbone. It really built my backbone. So I think that's, it's just all my life experiences getting up to this point is what is what made me the person I am today to be able to uh, tackle Can I sum that up for square. you? I think, yeah. I think you'll say, yeah, is growing up in a household that, usually didn't go in line with what you wanted to do cause you to have to fight for what you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so exactly that is the, that is yeah. the thing that made that was the most pivotal impact in your life. You time. grew up in a household that didn't always see eye to eye with you. Exactly. Perfect. Jake. I think my pivot moment was like you said, there's a lot of different things that happen obviously. And that's 10 years in the making that you're going to, that you were talking about your second answer. But when I got canned, I'll tell you why that affected me. Can uh, what does that like mean? Can got um, dumped is the word, I guess. Your girlfriend broke up with my you. My ex-girlfriend, yeah. yeah. I, I have a great girlfriend right now. Um, so my ex-girlfriend broke up me. And why it, it was such a pivotal moment was, A, I joined Midday Squares right after. That's one reason. But I realized that I'm not, this is going to sound very um, narcissistic, but I'm not... I can't, I'm not on the high horse, you know, not, not anything could happen. Cause it was out for me, it was out of left field in my own head because I thought that that can happen, you know, and when you get knocked off you the horse, no one would break up with yeah, you, but not, but not even break up. It applies to everything. So yeah, I, I know thought, what you're saying. I thought that life was just life. And like, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, you were indestructible. Yeah, yeah. indestructible. Happened to me. Yeah. But after that moment, I thought about it and it changed my whole way of viewing life. Cause it's like, you can't take things for granted. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I think and I changed. And there's obviously improvements every day you have to do, but that moment to get canned, that moment I was so shook up, I didn't even understand what happened. I, I was mind boggled and I never felt that way before. And I, you know, even in, in think people think <laughs> other things are deeper in that way worse that happened to me, but no, it's, no, the realization. it's, it's really, it it's, is. The, it's the realization that happened that changed the way I wanted to start thinking about things. And, but that doesn't just do it. You have to actively want to start changing that way. And I said to myself after that happened that I'm going to look at things differently. And I made that effort every single day till this day, I still do to get better and become a better version of Jake because Jake wasn't that good version back then. I would agree with that. And you fucking turbocharged. Thanks. Lee. Uh, Thanks guys. You're just, you're just every day. Trying. Yeah, yeah, you're trying. trying. You are trying every single fucking day. It's never going to stop though, because it's infinite. No, no, no. A person who wants to be great never stops. Now your brain's dead. But that was the pivot. I love it. And I think to, you know, to sum it, to bring it into the 10 years in the making question is what we mean by 10 years and guys, correct me if, if I'm not, I mean, I'm speaking for all three of us and just correct me Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong is that, we all went through so much hardship in both personal relationships, uh, both, you know, we've all had mm-hmm. serious relationships that have ended in certain ways that cause us to think differently. We've all tried businesses. Mm-hmm. We've all tried to have success in certain ways that we didn't necessarily have the success. All these fucking things that just chip away at you and where you're provided with a road where you can go left or right. Um, the compound effects of those is what we mean by that was 10 years in the making. Yeah, and I think just 
constantly um, putting yourself out there and leading with an open mind and also learning from learning from life, I think is really important. Like you said, when you get to the road of left or right, knowing when to turn left and knowing when to turn right, I think that's the reality, right? Is like life experiences and constantly choosing the unaverage, making the unaverage decisions and, and, and creating serendipity. I think that's also what gets us here, Fucking you know? Right. And the 10,000 hour rule that I think I read, I just read in the book from Malcolm Godwell, Godwell, or however you pronounce him, legend writer. Um, you know, 10,000 hours of stuff you do will make you better. Like, it, it's a fact, you know? And like, I think like, as you guys keep doing your manufacturing process, you guys are going to become crazy experts down the line in manufacturing, which I don't even think you guys notice right now, but you may even surpass that. I, you, it's possible, actually, 10,000, I don't know my math right now, but <laughs> once you guys get to that level, you become an expert in it. And when, when you become an expert, you either help other people or just keep growing. And I think that we're all becoming different experts in things that when you work together, it becomes an expert of this business that we oh, are creating. Right. That Midday Squares is. Not another business, this business. Okay, now I need to know though, why why are you still not showering? Oh. Like you clearly know I didn't that there's problems happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to talk a little bit about those problems? No, I think it's gross, to be honest. I just, just, why not? Just... just Talk about just it. Just let it? the audience know. We don't have to get into the super The name. I don't details. want to say the name of it. It's an ugly name. <laughs> Why? Because the, the description on Google? Yeah. No. So I just, you know, the, the you know, it's, it's let's, let's refer to it as your bum. My bum talks, but at the top of my bum, you know, like whatever, like, you know, when you don't you shower. You have a cyst on top of your ass. Yeah. Like it's a tunnel. <laughs> That's it. That's all. And it comes from not showering. But guys, that being said, I don't stink. I can't. No, no I don't stink. I don't, I don't stink. I can literally, I, guys, I can literally vomit. I, I, know it's, oh. I don't stink. I don't stink. This is why the we call it is midday squares uncensored. <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. Uh, is there an odor that's a No, no odor. No, no odor. No. Leslie went close to it yesterday. Very close to it. My friend Dickie. No, again, Dr. Dickie's coming back. I took a, I took a picture so Deidre, Dr. Deidre Osher could see it. Who is Dr. Deidre before we go, guys? It's Our sister-in-law. Our brother's wife. Shout out, Dr. Deidre. Last thing, Dicky, I showed him it. He told me, "Oh no worries, I have four. He had four on his ass. Okay, <laughs> Doctor Dicky for you guys. Bum boys, bum. bum. Same thing. Asses are dirty, bums are clean. Yeah, my bums clean. Uh, everyone, just keep doing you, keep killing it. Uh, we're just so pumped. Everybody's on this journey with us. Shit happens every week. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the rest of your day. For us, it's Sunday, but if it's not your <laughs> Sunday, who the fuck cares? Enjoy it anyways. And on that note, it is ole, 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 ole. And that is a wrap. <laughs>